Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Well, I have a very specific memory of my mother praying for me when I was a teenager. A very specific memory of her praying for me when I was a teenager. Um, There was a time when I decided I was not interested in spiritual things. I was not interested in following Jesus like my parents had raised me to. And I decided that I wanted to do my own thing like many teenagers decide to do, right? Well, my mom was not into that. She was not going to have that. And so she was going to pray me back to Jesus, My mom's always been a prayer warrior, still is to this day, and I have a very specific memory of her praying for me during this season. We were in our home, and I couldn't find my mom, and like children do, they just yell, Mom, where are you, you know? And I couldn't find her, so I went back to her room and just kind of opened the door, didn't bother to knock, just opened the door and walked in, and I remember that the lights were dim, and then I remember that I saw her silhouette kneeled on her side of the bed, hands folded, knees bent, and she was praying, that she was praying for me. And I came in, and I know she heard me come in, but she didn't open her eyes. She just kept praying. Lord, soften John's heart. Lord, help him to turn to you. Now, I walked in, and I did not like that prayer. I did not like what I heard coming out of her mouth, but she didn't stop praying. She just continued to pray. And as she leaned into the Lord in prayer, contending for my heart, I turned around and walked out. I didn't slam the door, but I did shut it. I, I, didn't, want to hear, I didn't want to hear her words for me. Um, that, that felt like a holy moment to me in that time, to walk in and see my mom knelt before her bed, praying for me, praying that my heart would be softened. And as I think back on that moment, there's something about that that reminds me of this phrase, the fear of the Lord. Because even though I came in and had disrupted this holy moment, uh, she was more concerned about praying to the God who could disrupt my heart. And even as I fell backwards, sort of like walked away, didn't want to be there, she leaned into the Lord trusting his strength, fearing him more than the fact that she cared about even if I heard her. And I'm so thankful for that specific memory. Uh, And it reminds me of that phrase, to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about delighting in the fear of the Lord as we continue our series in the heart of Christ, the affections, emotions, and desires of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 11. Now, you might recognize Isaiah chapter 11 from Christmas time. We, we say this uh, a lot during the Advent season as we celebrate Jesus, the Messiah, coming. But there's this little phrase in this prophecy from Isaiah about Jesus, and it says he will not just fear the Lord, but he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, that sounds confusing to us because we think about delight as a positive thing and fearing the Lord as a negative thing, But that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have a Bible, feel free to open up to Isaiah chapter 11, and we're just going to read verses 1 through 3. 
It says, then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Amen. The word of God. Is it good to be afraid of God? Is it good to live in fear of God? Well, it's not really a straightforward answer because if you look at the Bible, the the command that comes the most throughout Scripture is do not fear. That's the command that's the most recited in the Bible, do not fear. Over, it's like 150 times God tells his people, do not fear. And there it's like a thing we're, we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to fear. And yet, throughout the Bible, there's other times where fear is positive, like the beginning of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7. It says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there it seems like the fear of the Lord is a necessary thing. It's something that we're called into. But in this verse, in Isaiah chapter 11, it says that the Messiah's delight will be in the fear of of the Lord. Now, delight is not uh, fake it till you make it. Delight is something that happens naturally that flows out of your heart. It's, a, it's an affection that you have. Like when your sports team wins, you are delighted. You don't have to fake it. You're just jumping up and down with happiness and excitement. And here it says that the Messiah will delight in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean for Jesus to delight in the fear of God, though he was God, he is God, to delight in the fear of his Father? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to also follow him in delighting in the fear of the Lord? Well, maybe it means that there's some things about God that really do delight us, like his love and his compassion and his mercy. And there's parts of his character that kind of scare us like his righteousness and his justice and his holiness. So maybe it's that we're supposed to take great joy in some parts of God, but be afraid of other parts of God. But then there's verses like this in Psalm 130, verse 4, that say this, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. That you may be feared. We we would expect it to say, with you there is forgiveness that we may delight in you. But that's not what it says. It says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So here we have a positive aspect of God's character that normally makes us delight, and it says it should bring fear to us. So it's not that we just find some characteristics of God that we're okay with, that we like, and we delight in those, and we fear the other things. There's a sense that everything about God is to be feared. What we're getting at here is that fearing the Lord has to do with beholding every aspect of who he is. It's reckoning that every part of his character is something that we're to center his, our lives on, whether it be his compassion or his righteousness, his love or his justice, his mercy or his holiness. Every part of God's character should be an orientation point in our lives that we revere and are awe in awe of and delight that we get to live our lives so close to him. 
Has anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? A few of you have. I've never been. But, but if you go to the Grand Canyon, what you'll notice is it is majestic. It is awesome. I think we have a little slide of the Grand Canyon, if you can put that up. And as you look at it, you could just stare forever in awe, in awe of the Grand Canyon. You, you're astonished by its beauty. And yet at the same time, you must revere it. You must respect what it is. The Grand Canyon isn't something that you can do whatever you want to nearby. It's not something that you can take and put in your pocket. In fact, many people have died at the Grand Canyon by playing the fool and going, oh, I'm going to fall in. And then they actually fall in. Like, that's real. That's something that really happens because they didn't respect it or revere it. Yet at the same time, you don't see the Grand Canyon and run away. You want to get close. You want to soak it in. You want to look and see every aspect, every rock, every moment that the sun beams down into the canyon. And and as the light there changes from orange to red to night, everything is fascinating about it. You're astonished by it. You know that you can't put it in your pocket, and yet at the same time, you want to be near. That is a little bit what it's like to delight in the fear of the Lord. A.W. Tozer Tozer says it this way, the fear of God is astonished reverence. And he goes on to say, I believe the reverential fear of God mixed with love and fascination and astonishment and admiration and devotion. Let me read that one more time. I believe that the reverential fear of God mixed with love and fascination and astonishment and admiration and devotion is the most enjoyable state and the most satisfying emotion the human soul can know. Delight in the fear of the Lord. The most satisfying emotion the human soul can know. Just like the Grand Canyon, you are not in control of this vast thing that is majestic in its beauty, and yet you don't want to run away want to get near. How do you live your life there? How do you live your life in that astonished reverence, that place where you look and you go, God is awesome, and yet I can't put him in my pocket? (laughs) Well, you get there through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You get there through the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. See, there's really two responses when we talk about the fear of the Lord. In fact, when people experience the fear of the Lord, they usually either fall backwards or they fall forwards. They usually fall away from God, like I did when I walked in on my mom praying for me, or they fall towards God. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they fell away from God, sort of metaphorically. What happened after they sinned and they ate the apple? They went and hid. They were guilty, they were naked. They were ashamed. And we in our natural state as sinners naturally fall away from God because we are afraid of his righteousness and his justice and his holiness and his hatred against sin. We're afraid of punishment. We are guilty in our sin and we are ashamed. So we naturally fall backwards in separation from him. But through the gospel, we fall forward towards him. 
See, Simon Peter, when one of the first times that he was hanging out with Jesus, Jesus came up to the boat that he was in and said, hey, Simon, why don't you cast your nets out on the other side and you'll catch some fish. And Simon Peter said, we've been fishing all night, Jesus. We've been fishing all night. We haven't caught a thing. And Jesus said, just cast the nets out. And Simon Peter and the disciples cast their nets out. And as they put their nets out on the side of the boat, immediately more fish in the net than they could ever dream. Simon Peter knew something. He knew he was in the presence of the Lord. So he, he was, came before the Lord and he said, Lord, get away from me for I am a sinful man. But although he told Jesus to get away, Simon didn't run away. He fell at the feet of Jesus. He fell towards Jesus because he was presuming that Jesus was going to be merciful to him. In humility, he revered who Jesus was. In the midst of the fear of the Lord, he fell towards Jesus. See, the the way to live in the proper fear of the Lord is to know Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we fall away in fear of judgment. We fall away in separation. But Jesus died the death that we should have died for our sin. He was separated from God on the cross. He was judged for our sins. He's the one that fell back into the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. So knowing that he has taken the punishment that we deserve, we do not have to fall backwards in fear. We move forward in faith in Jesus Christ. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. The Apostle John says it this way in 1 John chapter 4. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. And catch this. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. John is saying that because the judgment of God was placed on Jesus and the cross, we no longer have to fear the judgment of God like before we knew Jesus. We know his love. We can trust him. But part of that means we move towards God in intimacy and reverence. It's not one or the other. It's it's not that we now have this reverence for God, but we're no longer intimate with him. And it's not that we have this intimacy without the reverence. We move towards God in both intimacy and reverence for who he is and what he's done for us. He is now our father. And he is who he is. He doesn't change who he is. Yet, we're welcome to come near him because of what Jesus has done. Theologians call this God's imminence and his transcendence, that God is near to each of his children, and yet God is vast and majestic, and yet God is near to his children, and yet God is righteous and holy. Through Jesus, we fall towards God 
And fear isn't the fear of judgment. It is a reverence for who God is in all his beauty. What does it look like for you to live your life in the fear of the Lord? What does it look like for you to live your life delighting in the fear of the Lord? Well, John W. Yates III says it means a few things. One of them is living a life of constant awe. Living a life of constant awe that you know the God of the universe. Like when a Category 5 hurricane comes, we are in awe of its size and its power. And secondly, we revere it. Like we don't just go about our lives when there's a Category 5 hurricane coming. Uh, we orient ourselves to that hurricane. And the same with God. We can't put God in our pocket. We orient ourselves to who he is and all his majesty and power. But here's the thing. With a category hurricane, you've got to hide. You've got to bury yourself. You've got to board up the windows. But the amazing thing about what Jesus has done for us is that we can step into the middle the middle of who God is. He invites us into relationship with him, and we delight in him. We get to know this ultimate God of righteousness and power and love and justice. And his presence doesn't crush us because we know his son. But we always revere him. We always realize his power, just like a hurricane coming. We always keep it in perspective that this thing is not something that's tame. It's not something that we've made up with our minds. It has power. And the same with God. Secondly, for us as a church, what does it mean for us as a church to worship delighting in the fear of the Lord? In our vision statement, it says that we joyfully worship King Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we just focus on the parts about God that make us naturally happy. Rather, it means we see all of who God is. We see all of who God is come to expression through Jesus Christ, and that brings us great joy. We don't ignore God's justice and focus on his love. We don't ignore God's righteousness and focus on his compassion. We take God as he is, but what brings the joy is that we've been welcomed near the king because of what Christ has done for us. fall forward every Sunday in worship. We fall towards God. That's what the early church was experiencing when we read that verse from Acts chapter 9. We put that back up there on Acts chapter 9. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Notice it doesn't say living in the fear of the Lord. They were terrified all the time. Rather, through living in the fear of the Lord, they had peace they were strengthened. They were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And they increased in numbers. As we behold all of who God is, it will empower us. But then lastly, how does it change motherhood? I want to give mothers an application from this. What does it mean for mothers to delight in the fear of the Lord? Well, first of all, if you're a mom, it gives you incredible strength. See, right now, there, there's so much to fear as a mom. There's so many things that you can worry about. You can worry about your children's salvation. You can worry about your children's safety. You can worry about if your kids are going to end up in therapy because you failed as a parent. That's something I think about. But those fears can utterly control you 
if you don't delight in the fear of the Lord. See, delighting in the fear of the Lord actually empowers you. Just like my own mom kneeling before her bed. She could have been paralyzed by fear that her son would never have a soft heart before the Lord, but she decided to contend for my heart. See, Michael Reeves says that the fear of the Lord is the only type of fear that imparts strength. Those who fear God are simultaneously humbled and strengthened before his beauty and magnificence. As mothers, when you learn how to delight in the fear of the Lord, it doesn't weaken you. It actually strengthens you. But it also gives you a vision for what motherhood could be. You know, some of us grew up in houses where we were taught we are going to be a house that fears the Lord. And that more meant like than what we're talking about today. Uh, it, it meant that we were to be afraid of God and fall back from God. But that's not what motherhood should be about in teaching our children to fear the Lord. We want to teach our children to fall towards the Lord, not backwards away in fear. We want to teach our children how to delight in everything that the Lord is, all of his character, to behold it and know that we get to know the God of the universe and our children through Jesus Christ get to know the God of the universe. God is no Easter bunny either, right? He's not just someone we call on when we need something who brings us treats. We want to teach our children to be in awe of all that God is. If you've ever taken your child to a campfire, that's kind of what it's like to train children to delight in the fear of the Lord. You know that you can't just do whatever you want to at a campfire. You have to teach them. They can't just take the fire and, as we've said, put it in their pocket. And yet at the same time, you don't want to run away from the fire. You want to get near it because it keeps you warm. You want to look at it because of its beauty. The same with the Lord. We want to teach our children how to gather near the Lord in his beauty and warmth and, and holiness, and yet at the same time, teach them what it means to fear him and respect him and revere him and orient their lives around him. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. In this childlike fear, there is not an atom of that which signifies being afraid. We who believe in Jesus are not afraid of our Father. God forbid that we ever should be. The nearer we can get to him, the happier we are. Our highest wish is to be forever with him and to be lost in him. But still we pray that we may not grieve him. As loving children, we feel a holy awe and reverence as we realize our relationship to him, who is our father in heaven, who is greatly to be feared. As followers of Jesus, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean that we run away in guilt and shame. Rather, because of what Jesus did, the one who delighted in the fear of the Lord, we fall towards the Lord in reverence and joy. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.